Welcome to another episode of Speaking Through My World, where I speak about my three passions in life, and that is women, Africa, and the arts. I wanted to uh, talk about the post-effects that I experienced after my first DMT breath work and ice bath, which I took in December 2023. And um, I wanted just to share the process that I went through, what I felt, and how essential it was for me then and now and moving forward. For those of you who don't know or have not heard of a DMT breath work or an ice bath experience, I have documented the, the whole experience via my TikTok and Instagram pages with visuals. Uh, but basically, it's an alternative way of healing. DMT breath work also helps with unblocking our chakras, releases trauma, uh, it increases our lung capacity. Ice baths, which uh, improve our sleep, help with anxiety and depression. They say it burns fat and increases mental strength. Um, but the whole experience is, um, is supposed to work for your mind, body, and soul. And of course, the experience in the aftermath that I went through uh, does not necessarily mean it's standard for everybody because every remember, healing is not linear. And so our journeys are all different. But I just felt the need to share and express because we often talk about uh, self-love and looking after ourselves by just going to the spa or uh, taking a massage or taking a walk. But self-love also requires a lot of reflection, a lot of silence and stillness, a lot of facing those traumas that we've pushed down and haven't even realized that we've pushed them and pushed them down. Now, after completing various courses in sexual abuse, PTSD, trauma-informed care, I'm a qualified counselor, I'm also a registered counselor and a life coach, and I've been working within the activism space for close to 20 years. I'm still learning. I'm still realizing and facing childhood traumas that I haven't dealt with, adult traumas that I haven't dealt with. And you know what? That's okay. Because for such a long time, we haven't been able to express them freely. We haven't been able to express them without any judgment. And particularly starting off my activism career and, and my feminist political education in a space where it was about us claiming the space just like we still are now. But doing so, wearing the cap, of resilience and standing behind the slogan that you strike a woman you strike a rock absolutely we are strong we are powerful our pain is valid but we're also human 
and to no fault of them, but but from the from the activists who taught me and the ones that guided me in the beginning, we were never being given the liberty of saying that we're not okay. And facing the reality that the work that we're doing is abnormal. And at some point, it will have adverse effects on our bodies. And so we've got to be in this constant mode of healing, this constant mode of looking out for ourselves, this constant mode of protecting our well-being, mental, body, physical, mind, sexual, spiritual, everything, wherever you feel that you are being depleted, take some time out to fill that void. And you should be able to do it. We should be able to do it without any judgment. And so we found spaces where we can do that. But we've got to train our minds that actually we do deserve that. So I often find different ways of, um, of healing, which I also would like to use on my clients within my, my practice, my counseling practice, my life coaching practice, my activism, my feminist political education, because we're all different. Some techniques might not work for others. Some techniques might work much better than others. And either way, it's okay. So the DMT breath work... Uh, helps with the unblocking of chakras, releases trauma, increases our lung capacity. The ice bath, which is literally sitting in an ice bath for minimum of five minutes. As a beginner, you start with five minutes. Uh, and both have wonderful benefits on our body, mind, and soul. And uh, the emotional release that I had after the breath work was phenomenal and I took some time to reflect and realize which traumas I tapped into. But then a few days afterwards, there was this immense feeling of being overwhelmed, of being emotional, very depressed. And I contacted the, the space that, that provided this wonderful experience and I was open and I spoke and, and he informed me that this is natural and that I should go and, and, and trust the process. And so I thought that it would be best for me to put this down into a podcast and of course this is my experience. This doesn't necessarily mean that it will happen to you or the next person or that this happens with everybody. But know that, you know, our journeys are not linear. Therefore, our healing is not linear. And after getting with the phone from him, I uh, put a few pieces together of my puzzle, of my life puzzle at the time. Uh, after realizing certain aspects of relationships uh, aspects of work, aspects of myself and the, the struggles that I've been dealing with over the last couple of over the last couple of months, if not years. And some of them had attributed to me not dealing with certain 
childhood traumas. Uh, some of them, a lot of them to do would deal with my adult traumas, which still pop up and rear their ugly heads. But I've learned to process them because remember, the pain never goes away. You just learn to live with it in a different way. And on that day, something happened, which I'm not going to get into because it was a very personal experience with, with somebody that I, I care for, still care for, um, and was very, very painful. And uh, I needed to process that pain and process that grief and process that anger as much as my pain is valid. But when we go through those different parts of our journeys, acknowledging that pain and validating that pain is essential, but then also looking at how you were held accountable in certain, in certain circumstances. Now, what I mean by that, and I need to reiterate this, is that some circumstances we do need to hold ourselves accountable on how we reacted, how we stepped in, what we did do, what we didn't do. Uh, in some circumstances, we also need to forgive ourselves because it wasn't our role to hold ourselves accountable. And I say this because when we look at rape culture, when we look at abuse, those who have been harmed have always been the first to be blamed. And so we've made to believe that what happened to us was our fault and we should, have, we should hold ourselves accountable to that. No, I'm not saying that at all in, circum, in those type of circumstances, at all. But at some point in that healing journey, should you have gone through that, try and face the reality that you need to forgive yourself because it was never your fault. But in the case of how you held yourself accountable, um, how you spoke to somebody, what you allowed, were you a happy a, a people pleaser? Had you set a certain boundary? Did you allow somebody to step into that boundary? Did you diminish yourself for the sake of somebody else? These are just different things that I'm throwing out. And so that day when, when this, this, this had happened, that I was feeling very, very heart sore and, and also it was the end of the year and tired and fatigued, I thought, okay, well, this is a good time because I felt I'd, I'd almost been broken open. And so I decided to embark on a 21-day social media break, which I uh, removed Instagram and TikTok from my phone. I uh, um, didn't turn on Twitter, and I only have Twitter and Facebook on, on my computer. And I shut down my computer and I put it in the cupboard. Uh, I therefore didn't have access to LinkedIn or YouTube. And I wanted to just find that stillness, find that tranquility uh, to face this rawness to face the fatigue, to face the pain, the betrayal, the anger, the anxiety from the year and the anxiety of what to expect moving into the new year. 
for some of us, the anxiety of going home over the Christmas period. The anxiety of just leaving your house as a woman, as a queer black woman in South Africa. And uh, speaking from privilege, as I always mention, I was able to go to, to, to my mum's house in, in the village and try and take some time out. Um, of course, try and be present in the moments with my mum, whether it was cooking, whether it was sitting on the stoop trying to cool down from the immense heat, uh, talking, finding out what's been happening, cleaning up the house, preparing for Christmas lunch, but being very, very intentional in how I'm spending my time and appreciating the lack of interference from other devices. When I had a bit of a break, I would obviously read. I did a lot of journaling. Uh, before I knew it, um, you know, nighttime would come and then I would have to face my thoughts, face the pains, the anxieties, all of those other things that came before. Sometimes I cried, sometimes I just sat there and allowed my body to feel numb. And then Christmas passed and I came home and this is where the really the hard work happened because now I was faced with myself. I was very intentional about not putting on too much television. In fact, I even went on two dopamine fasts, which I'll get into in a, bit, in, a, in a few minutes. But spending that time in stillness, because now I didn't have the other distractions from neighbors, from the, from the village, from my mum, from the kettle, all of these other things. It was just me. And being in a complex where everybody obviously went home, there was an extra stillness and that extra quiet in the air. So my sleep was a lot more, for want of a better word, deeper. Uh, went into, realized that actually my meditation has gone even to an, a deeper route and a deeper journey. Whereas before I could only meditate comfortably for about 10 minutes. And now pushing into about 20, 25 minutes. forcing myself to sometimes just lie on my patio, doing nothing, listening to my breath and listening to my brain, what it's telling me, changing my negative into positive, releasing when I need to, giving gratitude when it's due. And during this time, which was into the second week of the 21-day fast, I did a bit of additional reading and I decided to do a dopamine fast, which is basically fasting from dopamine. So um, you cut out any high dopamine activities, social media, which I'd already, which I'd already done. Um, something I didn't mention when I started, um, halfway through I realized that I'd been interacting with people on WhatsApp, although I wasn't posting on my status, but that still forms another form of social media. So my next social media faster that I do, I'm going to make sure that I also try and cut out WhatsApp. Um, no fast food, you don't look at your phone, there's no interaction with other people, no electronics whatsoever. Um, 
So it's basically fasting from the substances or behaviors that, that help release this, this dopamine. So what is dopamine? It's a chemical that we actually make in our, in our brains. It's essential to the experience of um, pleasure, reward, motivation. The more dopamine that we release in a specific part of our brain, which is called the reward pathway, the more we reinforce it, the more we um, experience it. And so that's why dopamine is often called the happy hormone because it results in feelings of well-being. And we all have different dopamine addictions. What gives you that high? What gives you that rush? What makes you move away from the negative things in life? But we must also remember that the same parts of the brain that that, that, that process their pleasure also process pain. So it works on opposite sides of, of the balance, almost like a seesaw. So we can create this wonderful pleasure, but that doesn't balance us. Because that's when the gremlins come in and say, wait a minute, you're experiencing too much, too much pleasure. And then that's when the slump comes in. So we go on eating binge and it makes us feel great. We go on a drinking spree and we're on top of the world. Or, or if you take drugs and you get on to, 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 to the cocaine or whatever drug it is high, at some point you've got you to crash. That's a hangover. That's a slump. So doing this fast also is an intentional movement, intentional action of us unhooking ourselves from that. And during my, my, my dopamine fast, I had already prepared fruit and, and, and light snacks so that I didn't even have to turn in the kettle. I woke up, I had water, I had juice on standby. I relaxed. I was frustrated at some point because although I would have been on the, the social media detox, I still had access to other appliances. I could turn on the TV. I could turn on music. Here I had to rely on my thoughts. And I did a lot of journaling, a lot of reading. I slept. And before I knew it, the 24 hours were up. And the feeling that came after that experience was incredibly overwhelming. And a week later, my, my 21-day fast of social media came to an end. And um, I'm very, very grateful that I could do it. I'm proud of myself for pushing through to the end but also facing what I needed to face and still face in my own time. The lessons that I've learned, particularly from the social media fast, is now how I interact uh, going back into social media because within the first two hours of being in, 
I could feel my anxiety levels rising a bit. So I'm intentional, and I used to be like this, but life took over. But I'm being more intentional about what times I'm going to be going on to social media because I'd enjoy it, but also I need it for work. Setting those healthy boundaries, but also making it work for me. Uh, through the, my dopamine fast, I also was able to set my intentions for the year and what I plan. And obviously I won't share those now because as they happen, I will share them. But one thing that I will share, it's about experience. And after losing so many people in my life last year, people that I called family, that had been through so much with me and vice versa, also reinforce that reality that whoever we spend our time with, make it worthwhile. None of us are perfect. And so sacrifices we will always make for people. And we'll move around for friends and family. But make sure that we do it for the right ones. The ones that have our back the ones that love us back, the ones that see us. And especially stepping into the fifth floor and my 50th at the end of the year, these are some things that have been on my mind and been very intentional about how I approach life and how I let life approach me. And... One thing, and, and, and I'm not, I've, I've gone over the phase of, of blaming myself, but particularly after COVID, where not really acknowledging the depression that a lot of us went through and the toll that it took on our bodies and the destruction that we allowed to our bodies, mind and soul, over and above the obvious toxins that were pumped in through those those ghastly injections that we had to take. If not more, even now in this, in this space where we are, we need to be intentional about what we're feeding our body. Because so much toxicity has come in and it's sitting. So I would really recommend you discovering what works for you in terms of healing. As I said, if you want more information on the DMT Breathwork and Ice Bath, go to my Instagram page or my TikTok page. Um, I'm hoping in the near future I'll be able to combine these techniques through Lizatsi Healing Space. But find what works for you. Set those boundaries. Do those detoxes when you need them. Be consistent about what you allow in to your life? What are you reading? What are you watching? What are you listening to? Who are you listening to? What are you feeling? Where is your heart at? I run a series of, of vlogs on my TikTok page, which I'll reintroduce, and it's titled, Where is Your Heart? Because it's about that constant check-in with ourselves 
And if you're not okay, that's also okay. I'm incredibly grateful to to CSVR who who give me who I have access to an amazing therapist, Amina, who I can unravel to. I'm grateful for the gift that my ancestors, my creator, gave me through my healing, my counseling, my life coach, coaching that I can pass it on to the next person. And this, and I mention this to all of the activists and feminists out there. Yes, we have a job to do and we go and we do it well. But at the same time, it's also our job to listen to our bodies. You need to find those spaces or that person to unravel, to detox, to let go, to shed off the dirt, to shed off the dead weight. You can't fill other cups if you are bone dry or if your cup is broken. And end of last year, my cup was smashed. And I speak honestly because I will speak through vulnerability, thanks to our beloved coach, Brené Brown, who introduced us to, to the power of vulnerability. And as coaches and healers, we're allowed to reach that bottom, but it's, it's up to us to hold ourselves accountable. And at that point, at the end of last year, I was like, I'm happy that I closed my practice and I have the privilege of closing my practice till the end of January so I can mend that cup and then fill it up. And that's exactly what I did. I acknowledged the pain that was inflicted on me. I acknowledged the accountability. I acknowledged what I need to do. And I'm working through that at my pace. And I'm proud of myself. So as we move into the year, Take it one step at a time. The toxicity out there is intentional. Watch what you're eating. We don't know what they're putting into our food. And I'm not, I'm not trying to be a conspiracy theorist, but seriously. Be gentle with yourselves. Thanks so much for listening.